0: Back to throw Fitzpatrick, throwing high into the air, Got it. Parker, touchdown! What a win for this Miami Dolphin team, wow! What is up Dolph fans and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How is it going everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show we jump right back into the know the enemy series and take a look at the Las Vegas Raiders the key to the Raiders resurgence in the ground game last year the linchpins of the defensive overhaul the relationship between Derek Carr and John Gruden all of that and more from the foremost expert on Raiders football he writes for the athletic. He's a must follow on Twitter. We're talking to Ted Wynn on this Wednesday, July the 8th edition of the Drive Time podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. We- 16 December 27th, give or take, depending on some schedule, TBD's Vegas, baby, the Dolphins in Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. And that game could be on Sunday or it could be flexed into that Saturday triple header like we had last year in week 16, a fun time for the NFL. A very interesting team here for the Raiders. Year three out of a 10-year contract for John Gruden. They have remade the offensive line successfully in the last couple of years. Now they're working on on the defense. Gruden got his speed merchant out wide to pair with his quarterback there in Derek Carr. And let's not waste any more time and go ahead and get to my guest today. He is a must follow. Good film work on The Athletic on his Twitter timeline. So let's go ahead and welcome in now to the podcast, Ted Wynn. And writing shotgun now here on the Drive Time podcast is Ted Wynn. He's a staff writer for the Athletic NFL and the host of the Run the Film and State of the Nation podcast. Ted, welcome in, man.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you having me on.
0: So you guys are getting ready to move to a whole new, not just facility, but new city, new state. How's that going for you in terms of your journalistic endeavors? Is that a challenge for you? Just kind of talk to us about moving from one city to another in the NFL.
1: Oh, lucky for me. I, I'm, I'm a film guy. I'm not a beat writer, so I don't ha- I don't have to move to Vegas. But I think, it, you know, it'd be more challenging to have to deal with, um, you know, traveling to Las Vegas every week for the home games. If that does happen this season or, you know, if maybe that ha- if uh, media may, you know, might be allowed to go next season. I don't know. Everything's up in the air right now, as you know, everything's pretty um You know, nothing set with COVID coming in. So I I don't know if we we are even allowed to go to games this year or we have to wait another year. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's just a challenge to have to, instead of just having the Raiders in my backyard, have to take flight uh, to games. But luckily, it's not too far. It's only about an hour flight.
0: Yeah, just a hop, skip, and a jump over there. You mentioned COVID there real quick. I'm just curious. I know you're a film guy, so Game Pass, definitely probably your Bible as far as your work habits go. But has it been different for you getting to cover football and cover the team right now during the pandemic?
1: Um, you know, everything for football is on the same schedule as of right now, you know, because, like, um, the draft was on the, at the same time. We're in the same period in off offseason. It will be weird when training camp does come along. Uh, Everything is normal as of right now, but things will start getting weird as training camp comes along.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been unique covering these these events and these press conferences and things from a distance and not being there in person. Let's go ahead and talk about the reason you're here. Talk about this Las Vegas Raiders team. Man, it feels weird to say that. And I want to start at the most important position. We start here every podcast here on the Know the Enemy series at quarterback and talk to you about Derek Carr because, you know, Ted, from an outside perspective, we've heard about John Gruden being in love with Kyler Murray. We've heard about his possible infatuation with Tua Dolphins quarterback, is Derek Carr his guy, and what do you think of that relationship and what it ultimately turns into this year and beyond?
1: I think Derek Carr hasn't proven to be Gruden's guy just yet, but he's, he's he plays at a level that's good enough to where he's very hard to replace. But I think Gruden wants that you know that A plus um, elite type of tier one quarterback that Carr just hasn't played like in in a long time. Uh, so anytime there's a chance that he, he gets that Kyler Murray type of player or uh, a player that has potential to be a that tier one quarterback, he's made tantalized. Uh, but the car is just at that borderline where he, he's just good enough, smart enough, makes enough plays to where he, he's harder place. And, um, you know, obviously we talked about how Gruden is just, he just gets tempted when, when he sees these types of quarterbacks. So I think that, kind of shows you that he he's will he's willing to upgrade if he has that chance, but it's just extremely hard to uh, upgrade over Carr. And they signed Marcus Mariota this offseason, and they gave him a contract that's just huge on incentives. So uh, I think it's going to be very tough for Mariota to replace Carr in this offense. That's hard to learn. It's going to take some time. Uh, offseason to be shortened, uh, but who knows if Carr doesn't play well enough into the season – Mariota can't take over I mean I just haven't seen a contract uh like the one that Mariota has as a backup um I don't think there's a very high chance he takes uh challenges Carr in the in the off season but if he if Carr doesn't play up to par during a season we might see Mariota
0: yeah there's all kinds of connections when you talk about Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota to a Dolphins quarterback or former Dolphins quarterback and Ryan Tannehill and how he basically did to Mariota what Mariota would hope to do to Derek Carr there in Las Vegas obviously for the Raiders that would not be ideal because you want Derek Carr to be your guy and be the answer but it is that unique situation that unique territory where you have a quarterback who's good but you also have a chance to possibly upgrade on that quarterback if you can and I think that's probably a good thing right like the fact that John Gruden's out there trying to find you know trying to get better every position and, and just trying to add more good players to the roster right
1: yeah, I mean, naturally, you want to always look for, always look to get better. And you get you get better at upgrading each position and uh, just being, you know, looking at every position without, you know, uh, just with a business-like perspective, kind of like the, what the Patriots do. Uh, but with quarterback, it, it, it's a sensitive, you know, it's a sensitive position. Usually, uh, you, when you have a quarterback, you just commit 100%. And maybe they're doing that behind behind doors, but it just seems like from an outside perspective, they aren't quite settled yet. But Carr has a chance to shut everybody up and really solidify himself as a franchise quarterback this year. He's going to have one of the best offensive lines in football this year. He has a bit of upgraded wide receiver core uh, with Henry Ruggs coming in, the first round draft pick. And Tyrell Williams is going to be healthy. Uh, Williams looked great in camp and looked really good in the first game, but then he he got a foot injury that really hampered him uh, throughout the season. So, uh, I mean, Carr has a, has a good offense built around him, and uh, this will be his third year in this offense. He showed a lot of improvement in his second year, but he has more to prove, and he really has to uh, step up and solidify his spot this year if he wants to remain the Raiders quarterback.
0: Well, I do want to touch on that offensive line and the addition of Henry Ruggs, an absolute speed merchant on that offense, but I want to stay here on Derek Carr and ask you from a film watcher's perspective, an all-22 savant such as yourself, like what is it that Derek Carr does that does put him in that echelon of quarterbacks that he's tough to replace, but maybe what is it about his game that makes him not in that upper elite level area like maybe he was back in 2016?
1: Well, he's extremely intelligent. I mean, this is not an easy offense to learn. Gruden is not an easy coach to play for because he demands so much from the position. Uh, but he he seems to have a really good grasp of this offense. He can make audibles. He could read defenses. He has a lot of arm talent. He could he could he could make every throw in NFL. He he's made some spectacular throws. But the thing that has always kind of hurt him is his uh, his. His conservativeness. Sometimes he just won't unleash unleash the ball, I and mean, he has the arm talent to do it. Uh, we, we've seen it, but he uh, there's times where he just is too conservative. Um, so hopefully, with an upgraded receiving core or, and weapons that he could trust, I think that trust is a big deal for him. It's hard for him to trust receivers, and when he does, uh, he'll he'll let go. And I think he did, he showed that with Michael Crabtree. Um, but you know, I, I still believe that even when he doesn't have an ideal receiving core, he has to find a way to be uh, more aggressive and he has a talent to do it.
0: So how does that factor Henry Ruggs into the offense? When you talk about maybe more of a conservative nature, maybe John Gruden wants to be a little bit more vertical. And I think the Henry Ruggs addition to the offense would certainly suggest that. How does that work together when you have a quarterback who might be a little bit hesitant to go vertical and a receiver who really shines in that area?
1: Well, it it gives him one less excuse to be conservative (laughs) because now you have a guy that could get behind defenses and has that ability to separate. Um, So, you know, last year, I I think you could have, you could make the, you could reason out and say, you know, Tyrell Williams was hurt and he really didn't have any weapons around uh, in a receiving core. So maybe that's why he was conservative. Uh, But this year when you, you add in a high first round draft pick at wide receiver that could just get behind defenses, uh, Tyrell Williams healthy. Darren Waller really established himself. Uh, you, you have those weapons, and, and you really want to see Carr take a step up and be more aggressive with a, a, a better receiving core.
0: So you've mentioned Darren Waller. We've talked about Henry Ruggs and Tyrell Williams. I'd probably throw Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro, into that mix as well. How do yep. you stack those guys in terms of the pecking order? In terms of who gets the most targets this year?
1: Um, I, I think. You know Henry Ruggs could make a huge impact with with minimal um, targets. I think that was one of the reasons why uh, they, they wanted Ruggs because def- They the Raiders got were so good at running the ball last year. They saw a lot of eight man fronts, a lot of defenses cheating up at the line of scrimmage because they didn't respect the receiving core. And, but they knew this offensive line was big. They knew Josh Jacobs could run the ball. Uh, so another re- that's part of the reason why they got Ruggs because they wanted defense to respect the uh, deep speed and put another safety back there. So even if rugs is not getting a ton of targets, but he does hit the, a few deep routes uh, you know, once or once or twice a game, that that'd be huge for this Raiders offense. Um, And Tyrell Williams is a guy that I think should see more targets when he's healthy. Uh, I I thought he was in, in line for a big year, but again, that injury was big, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hunter Renfro was one of the leaders in targets by the end of the year, just because uh, he he's so good underneath, and he showed how reliable he was on third down. And I, and we talked about trust with Carr. I think he's really established a nice trust with uh, with Hunter Renfro, and obviously Darren Waller is. I uh, I I believe he's you know one of the top five tight ends in the league, so he, he should see a lot of targets as well. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Hunter Renfro just get a ton of targets just because. He could work underneath. Um, that doesn't mean he'll get the most yards, but I think he'll see a lot of targets.
0: Yeah, you talk about Hunter Renfro. Reliability is the first word that comes to mind there. He was Dabo Swinney's guy in Clemson, catching all those big passes from Deshaun Watson down there in college. And you alluded to the running game there a little bit and Josh Jacobs and maybe teams playing more of a too high structure now that they do have that speed guy to take the top off the of defense. And I'm curious if this running offense was really just a product of Josh Jacobs being so good at what he does because you go back under the, the two years with John Gruden, they were 25th and then 13th in rushing yards in the NFL. The year before Gruden arrived, they were also 25th. So was that improvement? You talk about this offensive line. Was that improvement just a Josh Jacobs thing, an offensive line thing? Was it a running scheme thing? Like why did the run game get so much better this past season?
1: Uh, I think it, it does have a lot to do with the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line, they're just massive. I mean, you have yeah. <laughs> um, you have the right tackle, uh, Trent Brown, who is the biggest human in NFL. And, you know, you have Gabe Jackson, you have Rodney Hudson, Richie Incognito played like one of the best guards in the league, uh, last season, Colton Miller is improving. So you have this huge offensive line and then you have, you know, the whole Antonio Brown fiasco that happened last season. I think that really hurt their passing game. So they had to, uh, Gruden had to rely on the run, had to rely on a lot of two tight end three tight end sets, um, they have a fullback Alec Ingold, who was an undrafted uh, free agent, who really played like one of the best fullbacks last season. He was just pulvering, pulverizing guys on lead blocks. Uh, so I think it was a combination of having to – They, you know, they had to rely on the run game, and the personnel is just, they're just a bunch of big guys. Uh, Josh Jacob is um, really. You know, you 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 just look at him and you see a big, powerful runner, but he's really a mature inside runner. Great vision, great discipline. He really maximizes runs and breaks a lot of tackles, too. Uh, So just a culmination of things resulted in them relying on a run uh, last year. But, you know, undoubtedly, they they have the personnel to do it.
0: Yeah, I recall a Move the Six podcast when Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks were talking about how these Alabama backs get kind of filtered through the system there. And maybe some guys don't get enough carries and they always say like, Who was the guy getting carries in the biggest spots? And it was always Josh Jacobs when he was there in college. So all that really did for the Raiders was preserve the tread on the tires for him. We're talking Las Vegas Raiders almost at Oakland there. Here with Ted Wynn, he works for the Athletic, covers the NFL, does a great job there on Twitter, a couple of podcasts as well. And Ted, you mentioned the beef on the offensive line. My goodness, it kind of reminds me of what Miami's doing up front this year by all the girth they added along the offensive line. But I want to flip this thing over to to the defensive side of the ball here and talk about a guy who I was a big fan of coming out of Eastern Michigan. You wouldn't assume you would be a big fan of a player coming from a school like that, but he had a really big rookie year. I think it was fifth round draft pick. Correct me if I'm wrong. Should we expect him to play at that level again? And can Cleveland Farrell get on that level and just kind of talk about this defensive line for us, Ted?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, Cleveland Farrell was a big surprise getting picked as high as he did. He was kind of seen as a mid a mid first round draft pick, late first round draft pick. Uh, but I mean, he, he, you know, he's, he's, he was good against the run, you know, maybe he works really hard. He did have to deal with some sickness and weight gain issues during his rookie year that uh, they played, a, they played him inside a little bit where I thought he, you know, he, he said he was, um, I don't think he was as comfortable in that role. And. Uh, We'll see what happens this year when he has the off season, really work on his body and focus playing on the edge, but he just was a bit of a disappointment being picked that high, especially when you see uh, what Brian Burns and uh, Josh Allen was doing with the Jaguars. Uh, So uh, Crosby was a a surprise, but, you know, like you said, it's kind of weird to say, you know, you're a big fan of him, but when you watch his film coming out of um, college, he was just, he just jumped off the film. He was so explosive. Uh, you know his hands looked sort of funny at times, but they were they were active, and um, you just saw that that short area quickness that a lot of great pass rushers have, and uh, translated to a huge rookie season for him. and And, and the Raiders were really fortunate to hit, hit on Crosby because uh, Farrell was just, just wasn't very productive in his uh, his first year. Uh, and uh, Maurice Hurst also played really well towards the end of last season, and they added Malik Collins, who has a really high pressure rate from uh, the Dallas Cowboys, and he should improve the interior rush for the Raiders.
0: Help refresh my memory here. Maurice Hurst fell in the draft because of some medical concerns, right?
1: Yes, he fell uh, fell in draft because of a heart condition. Yeah. He was seen as a, a first-round um, guy before that. Some people thought you know, he was a really high, I thought he should have been a really high draft pick. Uh, some people thought he was a, more of a lower first-round guy. Uh, but the consensus seemed to be that he was a first-round guy if it wasn't for his heart condition.
0: Yeah, I think that Mike Mayock and John Gruden have done a really good job of kind of rebuilding that roster into their vision. And Cleveland Farrell, Max Crosby, a couple of guys that kind of really you know perpetuate that vision. And and they took a lot of flack for the Khalil Mack trade, but man, they turned it into some really good players and they're continuing that this year at the second level of the defense at linebacker via free agency. And I want to get your take on what Nick Quitakowski and Corey Littleton can do to change the middle of that Raider defense.
1: The Raiders have neglected the inside linebacker position for a long time and um, I, I can understand what, you know, inside linebacker is a position that's sort of thought of as, uh, as, you know, similar to running back where it's not a high value position, uh, but the Raiders have really neglected the inside linebacker position for a long, long time. Uh, but this year they spend uh, big money on two uh, young linebackers that are improving that are very athletic. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, who uh, started with the bears. He is, is uh, last year, he, He started off as kind of a role player, didn't uh, play a ton of snaps, and uh, because of injuries, he had to play more and more. And he just flashed and got better and better. And uh, he's good against the run. Everybody knew that. But then he just kept on getting better against the pass. And uh, I I think that was one of the reasons why he was one of the hotter free agents. It's just he just improved so much. And you you have to be able to defend the pass in this league. So uh, Kwiatkowski is a guy that doesn't have a ton of Good film quite yet just because he doesn't have a lot of uh, PT, uh, but he did put some together some really nice games towards the end of last season. Uh, Corey Littleton's a guy that's been steadily improving. He started his career as a special teams guy, um, and but he's put up huge numbers. He's filled the stat sheet with tackles, tackles for losses, interceptions, uh, pass, def- uh, pass defense, uh, and he. I, I think he's going to be one of the uh, top linebackers in the NFL Uh, next year. I mean, he was last year, but I mean, he still had some weaknesses. He's still learning the game, Uh, but I think this year is his, his real breakout year. So the Raiders really improved on the second level.
0: We talk about that Khalil Mack trade and what they got back for in draft value. Again, similarities, I think, are pretty prevalent here between this Raiders team and what the Dolphins are trying to do down in Miami. And two of the players they got in that Khalil Mack trade, if I'm not mistaken, were a couple of defensive backs this year with Damon Arnett, or maybe he was their natural selection. You can correct me on that if I'm wrong and Jonathan Abram last year, who was one of my favorite players in the entire draft because the way he plays, the temperament he plays with, he just defines silver and black football to me. The guy got kicked out of a spring game for personal fouls or for hitting unnecessary roughness penalties. That's just, it's an awesome story to me. I don't care if he can't pronounce the word salmon right. I love watching him play football. Is he the kind of key, the catalyst, coming back to that defense this year? Uh,
1: I think... The safety position for the Raiders is not very deep and kind of unproven. Demarius Randall um, looks to be a starter. They signed him from uh, Cleveland, but he's kind of an up and down type of player as well. I think Jonathan Abram, uh, unfortunately, he he tore his shoulder in the first game of the season and and was out for the entire season. But in camp, he just he was making a lot of plays. He's always near the ball. I thought he made a lot of plays against the Rams when they had a joint practice together uh, too. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, Abram looks like he has that really, you know, that instinctual safety type of mold, uh, but he hasn't proven it yet. So the safety position is just really kind of unknown for the Raiders right now. Eric Harris um, was a starter last year. He made a lot of plays, uh, but he he again, he was an up and down guy as well. Uh, uh, Carl Joseph was a Raiders starter last year. He really improved. He was a former first-round pick, but they let him go in free agency. Uh, so I like Abram as well, but he, you know, we just haven't seen enough of him to really know what he is in this league just yet.
0: And how about the cornerback position there, getting Damon Arnett out of Ohio State? I love the way those guys compete there at the horseshoe under Urban Meyer and, and Ryan Day this past season. He's so physical and just so aggressive in the way he plays. Is he the top cornerback, and what do they got behind him if he is?
1: Uh, the top cornerback is Trayvon Mullen, the um, the Raiders' second round draft pick last year out of Clemson. Uh, he had a little bit of a rough camp, and he was kind of forced into starting duty after Gary Conley got hurt uh, in Week One, and he got torched by Emmanuel Sanders, and didn't see much playing time after that until later on in the season when they did trade away Gary and Conley, and he really had a strong end of the, uh, end of the season. Played well against some big-time receivers, including DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, So the Raiders are really excited about Trayvon Mullen. Uh, He'll be going into his second year. Uh, But they needed a starter opposite of him, and they wanted to get Byron Jones. They wanted to find a top corner, but they couldn't find one free agency. Uh, But they did end up signing um, Prince of Makamura from the Bears and drafting Damon Arnett. So Damon Arnett and uh, Prince of... I can't, I'm, I'm, like, screwing up his last name right now. <laughs> uh, a Macamara, uh They're going to be competing for that last starting spot. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but I love Arnett's film, too. Kind of like uh, Abrams. He looks like one of those defensive backs that just love being annoying. And I think that's yeah. a great trait to have as a defensive back. Uh, so – uh, Arnett was a bit of a surprise to me. I, I mean, he, he was a surprise to me being drafted in the first round just because of uh, his poor measurables in the combine. And measurables are very important for a cornerback. Uh, but there's all sorts of stories that are coming out now that he, he might have been hurt during that 40 or they might have mistimed that 40. But, you know, that was sort of a big deal. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that, um, with that competition. But Trayvon Mullen is the, uh, the top corner for the Raiders.
0: Jonathan Abram is 100% that kid on the basketball court that wouldn't even look at the ball. He would just face guard you and cover you with both of his arms sticking out the entire time. And you just, by the end of the game, you wanted nothing to do with that kid because he was so annoying on the basketball court. You also fit right in, Ted, with the mispronunciation of names. That's like my calling card here on this podcast. So <laughs> you're in good company there, my friend. So I had this in my notes and we just got the notes, the the news rather about a Patrick Mahomes contract extension right before we came on the air to record this podcast. And as a person that has watched Tom Brady in my division for 20 years, I'm curious to get the take of someone who is basically at the front part of that for an elite level quarterback an all time, great looking quarterback to be in your division. Is that kind of the Raiders focus for how they build this team, trying to find a way to compete with Patrick Mahomes and to beat him specifically?
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's so difficult to do because you he's he's making all sorts of plays that you've never seen the quarterback uh, quite make before. If you concentrate too much on building your secondary um, and you give him too much time, he's going to buy time and um, he's going to buy time and make big plays. And if, uh, you know, you focus too much on on the pass rush and you don't have the corners to cover those extremely fast Kansas city receivers, you're screwed. And, you know, if you have a really strong defense uh, and you don't have the offense to keep up with, Patrick Mahomes because he always eventually finds a way to score some points. Um, then you know you're screwed too. So I mean I understand why uh, he, he they gave him the biggest you know possibly <laughs> I, it's going to be the biggest contract in in NFL history. He's just so dangerous of a player and he's done so much in just you know his two years starting um, already having a Super Bowl. So yeah, so watching him firsthand and um, I man this year he he went to Oakland the last game uh, the Chiefs played the Raiders in Oakland. Uh, It looked like the Raiders had a chance in the first quarter. Uh, They were playing him tough, and all of a sudden he just – you know, comes out. I, I think they scored like 28 points yeah. in the second quarter or something like that. <laughs> I and think it was he threw just, all four too. It was just ridiculous <laughs> watching him throw these bombs off his back foot, and I was just like, man, this guy is just insane.
0: He he literally needs one quarter to beat you. I mean, we kind of saw in the Super Bowl too the Chiefs' offense not really getting things cranking early on. Then he comes out in the second half and just rolls it up on the Niners and goes out and gets himself a championship in a year where he threw half as many touchdown passes as he did in the previous year. So dangerous guy, dangerous player. We're not talking about the Chiefs here, though. I want to finish up this podcast with one more question for you. Actually check that. I have two questions. We'll get to the playoff question here in just one second. Give us a player on this Raiders roster that the casual fan maybe doesn't know about, or maybe should know about that's kind of under the radar. Who is the Raiders big time unsung star on that football team?
1: You know, I I think Maurice Hurst is a guy that doesn't get a lot of love. I think defensive tackle numbers are uh, hard to judge at times. I mean, Everybody's judging you off Aaron Donald, but uh, I, I think Hurst is a guy that gets consistent interior pressure, and I think he's going to have a much bigger year this year, If especially if the edge uh, pressure improves a little bit. So I, I keep my eye on Hurst. I think he's in line for, I don't know if he's going to put up monster numbers, but I think he's in line for a pretty solid season for the Raiders.
0: Anytime you have a player that drafts that drops in the draft for a reason, pretty much out of his control. I always find myself really rooting for that guy. So really rooting for Maurice Hurst and his career. Last question I have for you here. The Raiders are a playoff team in 2020. If, and you fill in the blank.
1: If the defense plays at an average level, I mean, the the Raiders defense has been just terrible, like bottom of the league for so long that, if this defense even plays at an average level, I think offensively they have enough to be a playoff team. I mean, uh, it, it's hard to play the style of offense. They want to play if teams are just, you know, rolling and scoring 28 points uh, before you can blink an eye. So um, the, if the Raiders defense plays at a, a average level and stops uh, offenses here and, you know, here and there, not much to ask, but uh you know, it's just, The defense has been so bad for so long that um, just some improvements on that side, I think it would be a huge, uh, huge boost for the Raiders.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the style of play they want to play with. It's it's so unique in the NFL these days to have a solid, strong starting five on the offensive line, something the Raiders certainly have and can build around that on offense. He is Ted Wynn. You can find his work up on the Athletic NFL. He also hosts the State of the Nation podcast and run the film podcast, and you can find him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. Ted, thanks a whole lot, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. And away he goes. Another AFC West team on the Dolphins schedule. The two road teams now in the books as we have gone over the Broncos last week. We have the Raiders up on this episode. We've covered the Patriots, the Bills, and Jags going to work on getting the Seahawks and Niners, Chargers, Rams, Cardinals, Jets, the rest of the teams on this Dolphins schedule here in the Know the Enemy series. We have the written content up on MiamiDolphins.com. I believe we are through September and October on the written portions, taking an in-depth look at These teams, as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2020 NFL season and training camp and all that fun stuff ahead but as for today's edition of the Drive Time Podcast that is going to be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify tuned in wherever you get your podcast from go ahead and subscribe rate and review the show give me a follow on Twitter it's at Wingfield NFL follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast we had a new episode of the Fish Tank with Ray Lucas up on Tuesday. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.